You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church slash messages. That's my favorite part, for I am your God. That's who he is. Amen. So excited about this message, guys. Um, um, let's pray. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, and we just cry out to you again. We do this every weekend, Lord. We need you desperately. We humble ourselves. We seek your face, God. We turn from our wicked ways, and we say, deliver us, save us, heal our land. God, move. I know you're already with us here, Lord, and you inhabit the praise of your people, and we worship you. Would you just uh, take over any uh, thoughts of worry we might have in our head? Take over, God, any thoughts of, of, uh, of doubt and, or destructive thoughts. Whatever it is, God, would you just take over and have your way? Move here, God. Holy Spirit, you are my transcript. <laughs> oh, just put this message inside of me and make it burn I'm so excited to preach it, Lord, but I want to do it justice, God, so I ask that you put your words in my mouth and direct my thoughts, God. I'm just a man, and I ask you to do a miracle here, God. Anoint this message. I don't want to just go through a message to check off a box, God. We need a word from you. So Holy Spirit, do your thing. Give God permission to move in your hearts right where you're at. Just say, God, speak to me. Every sinner and saint, God, speak to me. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. If you're watching us online, I want to say thank you for joining in. Just type in amen in the chat right there, and I'm going to be praying for you. And, you know, you never know who's going to be watching this video, guys. Uh, we had someone in the hospital, and they were in ICU, and they were watching our worship service on their phone, and the nurse inside of that ICU room was watching the whole service with him. So you never know how God will work. He's such a creative God, and he has such a desire for people to know him. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. So last week I shared with, a, I think it was the 11 o'clock service, I told him one way that I, knew, I know it's a good service is by how much spit is on this podium. So right now there's like no spit because I haven't even started it. It's nice and clean. But my prayer is that there's a lot of spit on this podium here tonight. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, because I just, <laughs> it's probably the wrong thing to talk about during a pandemic. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, that, that, that's, my, that's my prayer, guys. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm excited about this message here. Um, the, we're in this series called Do Not Fear. And, and I, I think if, if I were to ask most people, like, like, do you fear? I think most people will say no. I, I think that's just our human nature. There's a little bit of pride. I don't fear. But, but I think if we dig down a little bit in our decisions and, and why we choose relationships and why we, we, we whatever make decisions we, we, we make, uh, we find out that, that there is fear underlining some stuff there. Fear of being alone, fear of failure, um, fear of whatever. And, and we have these fears. And, and uh, I, I, I think about this message today and... Um, it, there's fear under it. it, it there's, when, when I was praying about this message and I, I prayed about the series and I said, God, what do you want me to talk about? And the Lord put this do not fear 
uh, title in my head. Um, this is the passage that God put on my mind right here. So I'm kind of emotionally attached to this passage already because if there was ever an example of someone who was not able to experience a better life, this is it right here. I think all of us want to experience a better life. Is that fair to say? Everyone wants to experience a better life um, and, and whatever that might mean, but you, everyone wants a better life. But, but, but in this story right here, we're going to look at a group of people who had so much fear, they were not able to experience that better life. And it didn't only impact them, it impacted a whole generation, even impacted their children, even impacted their children. A lot of times we, we don't think of our decisions, our spiritual decisions impacting our children, but they do, even, even into the next generation. So I'm gonna start off with Joshua chapter one, and here it is, verse one says this. This is in the Old Testament. Joshua is, uh, is, is uh, he's between 68 and 78 years old at, that, at this time right here. And here's what he says here. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the what church? The, the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Famous passage right here. Joshua has spent the last 40 years or so wandering in the desert. 40 years wandering in the wilderness. The only example he has had in his life is how not to be successful. Moses has been the person who he's been, you know, he's been mentored under Moses. And, and for 40 years, he's for four, almost half of his life, all he knows is the desert. That's all he knows, almost half of his life. You know, sometimes, incidentally, we think we're too old. You think you're too old and the best years are behind you. Well, Joshua's 68 to 78 years old and God is using him to, to lead a whole nation. So you're never too old. You're never too old. It's never too late for God. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them it's never too late for God. Can you do that? You can type that in the chat as well. It's never too late for God. Let's keep going. Verse three. I will give you every place. This is where God is telling Joshua. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. He keeps saying, as I promised Moses. Keep that in mind. God gave Moses a promise and now God is telling Joshua, the promise is transferable. It's gonna go to you now, Joshua. Verse four, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Glory to God. I will never leave you or forsake you. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. God will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. In verse six, what does it say? Verse six says, be, what are those three words? Be what, church? Strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Here it comes again. Be what, church? Be strong, very courageous. 
Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Now I want to stop right here and just point out that God is telling Joshua to be strong and very courageous. But what is God telling him to do? He's telling him to be careful to obey the law God gave Moses. That's scripture. He's telling him to make sure you're leaning on God's word. That's what God is telling Joshua right here. Verse eight, here's why. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. Meditate on it day and night. So that, say so that with me out loud, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. This is like God's formula right here for success in this world. And God's telling Joshua, here's how you want to experience success in this world. Here's what you got to do. You got to spend time in the good book, day and night, and meditate on it. Let it be on your lips and think about it and, and read it and study it. In verse 9, here it is again. Have I not commanded you, be, be what church? Be strong and courageous. Let's keep reading it out loud. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Bam, just right there in the face. This whole... Uh, this is an amazing passage right here, and, and, and this phrase, do not be afraid and be strong and courageous. We just read it. How many times did we read it? Did you catch that? It was three times we read that. Be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, be strong and courageous. And you see God telling Joshua, you've got to be strong and courageous. You don't understand what's on the line. You got to be strong and courageous. You don't know what's on the other side of the Jordan. You got to be strong and courageous because this has happened. This has been a problem. So you have to understand from God's perspective and Joshua's perspective what's happening. You got to understand what's happening here. This whole thing started with a promise. And you know, God is good on his promises. God is good on his promises. He will not forget the promise he gave you. He's a good God. And I'm going to just tell you how far back this goes. This goes all the way to right around 2100 BC. And God spoke to a man named Abram. And here's what God told this man, 2100, 2100 BC. Here it is. The Lord said to Abraham, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west, I'm giving all this land, say land with me, land, as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. So what he's describing here, God is telling Abraham that he's going to give him and all of his descendants, which are the Israelites, the Hebrews, what's known as the promised land. And you see this first mention in scripture right here, God's conversation with Abraham and the desire of God's heart is to bless. The desire of God's heart is for you to walk with him. The desire of God's heart is for you to learn how to walk with him and hear his voice and experience the best life possible. That's the desire of God's heart. And this phrase promised land is talked about. It's called land. 
Songs have been written about the promised land, Beulah land. There's an old song right there, a promised land, over and over. And sometimes you hear about it in, in today's world. You know, someone might refer to the promised land as some sort of uh, success or achievement. If you're in sports, the promised land might be the Super Bowl championship or the whatever World Series, whatever it is. There's a promised land. It kind of represents this better life, this point of success, this great achievement. And I believe God has a promised land for all of us. God has a promised land for you. God has a promised land for me. And we might think it has to do maybe with more money or a house, or something like that. But what I've discovered is it's marked by the favor of God. It's marked by the favor of God, and it's a life where you're walking with Jesus, and it's a life where you experience his presence. It's not always about a bigger house or, or comfort or any of those things. And what I've learned is the only thing that stands between you and that promised land is fear, is fear. So Abraham gets this promise from God, and now it's around 1250 BC that he's having this conversation with Joshua. And he's telling Joshua, it's time. It's time to go into this land. And he's saying, be strong and courageous. Why is God just talking about this? Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And there's something going on in Joshua's mind as well. Joshua's standing on the border of this promised land, and he's been here before. He's been here before. If you just rewind 38 years before this moment here, Joshua is there, and Moses is there. This is Joshua's second chance. That's why I like that song that we just sang about second chances, because we have a God of second chances. Aren't you glad you have a God of second chances? He's a good God and he's gracious and he's merciful. I'm grateful for that also. Now, the last time Joshua was there, he wasn't the boss. It was Moses. The last time Joshua was there, he was one of those spies that was sent in. He's standing at the same border. And 38 years before this, let me just share with you what happened because I think we could learn a lot from this. Numbers chapter 13. Let's just rewind a little bit and see what happened back here. Verse 25. <clears throat> Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. They got to the border and he sent 12 spies into the promised land. And they were about to enter that promised land. This was the heart of God. And verse 25 says this. After exploring the land for 40 days. How many days, church? 40 days. The men returned 26, excuse me, men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. So they came back and they said, look at the fruit from this promised land. It's true. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is heaven on earth right here. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Look, see, here it is. It's, it's amazing fruit. But the people living there, oh, this is a big but, guys, because this is a, this is a huge but for the Israelites in, the life of the, in, the life of, in their history. They say, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large, and fortified. We even saw, what church? Giants there. The descendants of Anak. 
Now, when he says fortified, let me just share this little ancient fact here with you. The walls of ancient Canaanite cities were 30 to 50 feet high, and sometimes they were as much as 15 feet thick. So this is, this is no doubt, this is a situation here. So <clears throat> incidentally, there's no wall too big for God, nothing like that. Today's title is How to Slay Your Giant, and they show up and they, they, they discover this land is indeed, it's really crazy, beautiful, and blessings, and fruit, and look at all this, and then they say, but, but, there's people that are living there that are extremely powerful, and there's even these giants there. Today's title is How to Slay Your Giant, How to Slay Your Giant. I believe everyone has a giant in their life. Maybe it's a something that's, that's, that's uh, just attacking your mind or maybe it's a spiritual thing or an emotional thing or, or whatever it might be or, or maybe the enemy has a grip on you or maybe it's a sin that you keep revisiting or whatever or and some other spiritual giant and it's discouragement or, or battle that you keep going at kind of thing and it's just there and you know this thing is just big. It's big. Um, I'm gonna, I want to push you over the edge here today because when you look at the Israelites, when, they're, when they get this report, Report from the spies, there's four mistakes that they make. So I'm going to share with you four ways you will not slay your giant. Four things you can see in their decisions right here. Um, um, first thing is this, is you have to fear from a distance. Fear from a distance. Just look on the other side like the Israelites were and look at those giants and hear that report and don't move. You can just stay where you're at and you can imagine what it's like and you don't have to do anything. Just fear from a distance. Isn't it interesting that God left giants in the promised land? Don't you find that interesting? God could have wiped them all out and said, okay, Moses and, and Joshua and everyone else, just go right in. But he left them in the promised land. Why would God leave them in the promised land? God wants them to know who he is. God wants them to discover who he is. See, see the other thing, if you, really, if you really want to be defeated, you have to believe the problem is bigger than the promise. You have to believe the problem is bigger than the promise, you can say to yourself, God didn't think this through. God's not aware of how things work down here in this world. God overlooked this problem. He doesn't understand the circumstances. There's just no way I can, I can achieve this. There's no way I could, I could be happy. There's just no way, I, whatever it is. You have to just convince yourself that God is just not looking at everything with a clear eye. And this passage said, but the people living there are powerful. I want you to hear this. Some people see the promised land and some people see the giants. Some people see the promised land and some people see the giants. You know anyone like that? All they see are the problems. That's all they see. This can't work because of this and this and this and this and this. And then there's other people that say, I see the promise. God will take care of all of those boxes that need to be checked off. God will handle all of that stuff. See, what you see will eventually determine what you do. What you see will be determine what you think. What you see will determine what comes out of your mouth, what you say, and even what, how you act. It will determine all of that. We have the solution that walking with God means there's no giants in our life. It's a bad illusion. 
because you can live on this side of the Jordan River your whole life thinking this is all God has for you. You know what I'm saying? You could spend your whole time on this side of the Jordan and you can call yourself a Christian. You can go to church, maybe even read your Bible, but you're living on this side of the Jordan your entire life. And God says, you know what? If you cross that Jordan and let, watch me overtake these giants, you're going to be different. I have a life for you that you could only experience if you cross that Jordan. Sometimes we say to ourselves, you know, when I get a better job, then I'll cross the Jordan. You know, then I'll, then I'll start giving. When things fall into place, then I'll start serving or whatever. When I, when, when things, when, when I, then I'll stop focusing on me. And I want you to know over and over, you see God wants you to focus on him. God wants you to love others. God wants you to trust him. Here's another thing you gotta do. Number two is for a giant to slay you, don't pick up a sword. Don't pick up a sword. Don't do it. <clears throat> Think about this. The Hebrews of this generation never witnessed what could have been. They never experienced what could have been. I like what the, the, this, this one uh, gentleman said. Faith looks at the promise. Fear looks at the problem. Faith looks at the promise. Fear looks at the problem. When you see this, you see in verse 23 in Numbers, it says this, the Amalekites live in the Negev and, and, and the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. Do you see what they're doing? They're assessing this. They're fearing from a distance. They're not picking up their sword. And in their mind, they're strategizing and they're saying to themselves, these giants, they've got the hill country covered. They got the coast covered. They got the Jordan Valley covered. There's no way. There's no way. We do that in our own life. Well, this, this is right here. This is a wall here, and this is a wall here, and there's no way. And we, we start building these walls, and we, we're filled with fear, and we say, there's no way. Just because you can't see a way doesn't mean God <laughs> doesn't see a way. God can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And these 10 spies relied on their own reasoning I want you to hear this. You can lose the battle in your mind before you pick up your sword. You can lose the battle in your mind before you ever pick up the sword. The enemy's goal is to paralyze you with fear. And, and it's just so easy to do that because we're creatures of fear. We're creatures of fear. fear. Third thing is this. For a giant to slay, you just got to lean on your own reasoning. Lean on your own reasoning. Verse 30 said this, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are, what church? They are stronger than we are. That's really what we look at so many times. We look at strength. Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies that said, we can do it. And there were 10 other ones that said, we can't. There's only like 20% is what we're talking about. 
The size of your giant is proportional to the size of, the, of your blessing. I like what Christine Kane says. She said this, the most difficult time in your life may be the border to your promised land. The most difficult time in your life may be the border to your promised land. It's that time when you're contemplating, you're debating, you're reasoning, you're, you're deciding whether or not you're going to take that step of faith. And what I've discovered is the longer you stay at that border, the, the easier it is to be gripped by fear. The easier it is to be gripped by fear. And scripture says this, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Now all the people we saw were huge. Were huge. So they spread this bad report and incidentally, if you haven't figured it out, it's our human nature to be attracted to negativity. You see it all over social media. It's, you see it all over the news. It's our human nature to be attracted to negativity. And, and, and when, when you see these spies and they're trying to convince an entire, you know, the, the leadership of, of the Israelites, they're trying to convince them that there's no way. They're stronger than us. We're going to be devoured and fear is contagious. And they all agreed, you know what? These 10 are right. Joshua and Caleb are wrong. So they, 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 they choose instead to not go in. And, and they even say they will be devoured. This is the tipping point right here. C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters, this is a handbook for demons. He talks about how to chip up Christians. He said, tortured fear and stupid confidence are both desirable states of mind. Tortured fear and stupid confidence. Doesn't matter. Either one is effective for the enemy. Either one. He said, we even, verse 33, he says, we even saw giants, their descendants of Anak next to them. We felt like grasshoppers. Incidentally, grasshoppers, this is the smallest edible creature for the Hebrew diet. And he said, we felt like grasshoppers. So they're watching from a distance. And they're saying there's no way we can enter. There's no way it'll happen. Don't pick up a sword. We just watch from a distance. We can't do this. You know, it's always easier, incidentally, to watch from a distance. It's always easier to talk about, you know, that battle and not be in it. It's kind of like watching a football game or a basketball game on TV. And you say, well, if, I'd have done, if I were there, I, you know, I think they should do this. Or if I was running the country, I would do this. Or if I was running and you're watching from a distance, you're not in the battle. You're just watching from a distance. Look what happens, chapter 14. Then the whole community began weeping aloud. They've spent their whole life waiting for this moment. They're about to enter into promised land and, and the fear grips them and they're not going in and they're persuaded and says the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. You ever cried all night? Wept all, wept all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, hello, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. For a giant to slay you, you have to underestimate God's love for you. Wow. They would rather be slaves in Egypt. They would rather be slaves in Egypt than work through their fear. 
And they go back and they say, you know what? It wasn't that bad being a slave. How do you think God feels? You discover later on God took that personal. And they turn and they look at Moses and Aaron and they, and they vent. They're the target of all of their complaining. And they're the target. They blame, every, they blame Moses and Aaron now because that's our human nature. We have to blame someone. We have to blame someone because if we don't blame someone, then we have to look at ourselves in the mirror. And nobody likes looking at themselves in the mirror. So we need, we need other people to join our negativity because we need to justify our position. Are you, our position. <clears throat> Are you aware there's a fight going on right now? I was talking to a pastor and uh, he was talking about the fight in his church. You know, I, I wholeheartedly believe um, this, this virus is a horrible, horrible thing. But I will tell you this, the devil is trying to use this virus to weaken churches and to keep people away from church. The devil is trying to use this virus to inflict fear in people and keep them away from church and keep them away from turning to God. And his ultimate goal is they drift away from God. His ultimate goal is for them to experience hell, not heaven. The devil's gonna use this, this virus. You know, you know th this, there's this fight that's happening. It takes so much work to do church right now. And the people that are closest to me are those who are in the fight with me. The people that love with me and serve with me and pray with me. Those people who are, are those. Every Tuesday we gather for prayer here from three o'clock to five o'clock. And there's people that come here and pray. You should come. Be a part of it. Every Tuesday, three to five, because we're in a fight. We're in a fight. Look what these Israelites tell themselves. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Wow. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb. There's Joshua right there. We read about him in Joshua chapter one. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is rich and flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Reminds me of that scene in uh, Patriot. It's a great movie. Remember seen Patriot with Mel Gibson? Remember that scene when they're going up against the Brits and at the very end and everyone is retreating because there's fear and you see Mel Gibson running with the flag, the US flag, just running saying, no, 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 turn around. It's a cool scene. And all of a sudden, everyone's courage is lifted up because they see, they, they, they see him running to the front line saying, we can beat these guys. We can beat these guys. So you have to understand, you have to remember something. We know who wins at the end. The enemy might be thinking, <laughs> churches are weakening because of the virus. But he also thought that the Son of God, the Savior of the world, was dead. Glory to God.
And your part, you are part of a revival right now. You just don't know it. This is going to be written in history books. And God will use this time to draw people to himself. Look what God says, verse 34. He says, because you men, your men, explored the land, there it is, for how many days? You must wander in the wilderness for 40 years. There it is. That's why they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. A year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy. Wow. You know, you see, we didn't read this passage here, but in here, God is so ticked off at them. You know what God says? I'm just gonna wipe them all. I'm gonna wipe them all, and Moses, we're gonna start over. You're gonna be the new Adam. You're gonna be the new, we're gonna start over, and it's gonna be you. And Moses says, no, 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 no. God, have mercy on them. And God says, fine. How many days did they explore? 40? All right. For 40 years then. And there's this whole generation of babies that were born in the wilderness, babies that were born in the desert. And all they knew was the desert. And these babies grew up, and now they're close to 40 years of age. And all they've known is in the wilderness, uh, that's all they've known, but they're different. They're not like their mother and their father. They may look like daddy, but inside they're different. And it's an incredible message for, for you and for me. You have a chance to have a new beginning. Their dads were cowards. Their moms were cowards. And they couldn't go in because of the giants. But these babies that are born in the desert grow up. And Joshua is now at the edge in Joshua chapter 1. And he's now there. 38 years later, he's there. And God tells him this in verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know what Joshua is thinking? I'm not going to go through this again. Now he's the boss. And he's telling the people, look, you don't understand what was at stake. We just spent 38 years in the wilderness because of your mother and because of your father, because they were afraid. Let's not make that same mistake. I've been here before. We have a second chance right now. Let's enter this land. And that's exactly what happens when you see the chapters in Joshua. They enter the land. They cross the river Jordan, and God works in miraculous, miraculous ways. This was a generation that said, we're not going to live with the regret. We're not going to live with the scenario of never knowing what God could have done. We're going to go forward. We're going to go forward. As I prayed about this message, I thought, boy, Lord, there's so much in here. It's so rich. It's so rich. And in my heart of hearts, I just believe there's someone here who's gripped by fear. And maybe you have a giant in your life. And maybe you're living on this side of the River Jordan and God is saying, I have a life for you. 
but your fear is keeping you from experiencing it, whatever it is, I want you to know God will go before you. Your job is to trust him. He has a better life for you. Your goal in life, God's goal for you is way more than comfort. It's not about comfort. It's about sacrifice. It's about trusting God. It's about living for Jesus. It's about God using you in ways that you've never imagined. There's so much at stake. Don't live your life in the wilderness and call yourself a Christian. God God has a better life for you. God wants you to cross that Jordan. God wants you to experience that life. And God wants you to trust him with everything. Can you do that? Just trust him with everything. Maybe you're here and you just need to accept Christ. Or maybe you're here and you call yourself a Christian, but you're living on this side of the Jordan. Let me lead you with a prayer. Because I believe God wants to do a new thing, a fresh thing. And if you're watching online, if you need to cry out to God, let me pray with you. And God will work in your life. God, thank you for your grace and your love. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. And right now, God, first, I want to pray for that person who doesn't know you. And if that's you, would you just say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I give you my life. Others of you, maybe you call yourself a Christian, or maybe, maybe you're living on this side of the Jordan. And maybe God is speaking to you right now about crossing it and trusting him. Would you just say this? Say, God, I need you to go before me. You know what giants are on the other side and you know the fear that I have, God. I want to experience the best life. I want to experience the abundant life. So go before me. Go before me, God. Give me courage and strength and faith to cross that Jordan River. Thank you for your grace, Lord. May we be the church, God, in the midst of this pandemic. May we be the church that just starts a revival, Lord. Use Thorn Creek Church. May we be a blessing to others. May we be a blessing to this city, a blessing to other churches, a blessing to this state, a blessing to this nation, God. May we be famous for our faith, Lord. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.